Praise God. Can we turn to James chapter 5? Uh, at the, after I speak this morning, we'll again have a open up the meeting to your body ministry, which we really strongly believe in. In other words, we all have something that is scriptural. We bring a psalm, a spiritual song, whatever it is that God puts in your heart. So we'll, we'll have opportunity to do that. Um, but uh, I want to just uh, bring this word first that God has put in my heart. I've been speaking quite a bit on this subject lately and probably will speak a good bit more as time goes on in different places. So it's James chapter 5 and verse 1. Come now you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted. And your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Seboth. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in a day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. I want to speak today about God's end time economy and you know and I want to speak about walking in kingdom wealth functioning in the abundance of the kingdom now that might not be a passage that you would say well that's about that it's all about having a, a real blast as James does at the at the rich but in actual fact this is a proof text that God wants us to walk in kingdom abundance, okay? Because it's all about context. If you read this, you think, oh, well, you know, he's saying that you shouldn't be rich. That's not what he's saying. And if you read the context of it, he's saying, come now, you're rich, weep in health, you're married. He's not talking about the righteous rich. He's not talking about Christians. He's talking about those who extort to get wealth, and there are plenty of them. Amen? But you know what it all is heaping up together? And here's the key phrase here. He says that uh, you have heaped up treasure in the last days. There's the context. There's the context. You've heaped up treasure in the last days. Who he's speaking to are people who love money. Amen? And we've encountered that recently in, in our own lives, haven't we? People who are consumed with the love of money that it actually takes them takes their whole personality over and and they become it's not just wickedness but it's a horrible thing to see then he's speaking about how they've defrauded folks okay but look what he says he says be patient brethren amen so he's speaking to two groups of people here he's speaking to that he's saying that those people who've made themselves rich by defrauding folks by extorting folks by conning people by robbing people he says that your time of misery is coming 
And then he turns and says, therefore be patient, brethren, brothers and sisters, in other words, until the coming of the Lord. Then he talks about being patient, waiting for the precious fruit, until it receives the early and the latter rain. Well, we're now in the time of the latter rain, if you believe we're in the last days. He says, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And this is the key thing that I want to speak about. Are we in the end times? And by the end times, I mean, are we in the, the very end times? Because the last days began when Jesus went, rose to heaven. But are we in that time that we all are aware of, the very end of days? And if we are, you see, what I want to speak about this morning, is God's economy. Because if you go on Facebook and YouTube and online, all you hear is the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast is coming. Antichrist is on the earth, waiting to be revealed. All this sensational stuff. Now, listen, I get, when I get saved, I, I didn't know that Jesus was coming back. That electrified me. I got Hal Lindsay, late great planet Earth. I, I, I devoured these things. Futurism, okay? Um, so the second come has always been something that really electrified me. But are we in the end, the end time? Some people say, oh, yes, it's, you know, we're in it. We're, we're almost in the, the, the very end of it. Oh, the rapture's going to happen anytime soon. A preacher I have great respect and admiration for, not so much talking necessarily about the rapture, but saying the window of opportunity before the Antichrist system, the beast system set up, he, he says it's months, possibly weeks away. And, you know, I, I don't know that I agree with him, but I have a great respect for them. So a lot of people are sensing in their spirits. But you know, it may just be that the mark of the beast, because you know something, the devil reads this book. Not well, it's my Bible. <laughs> Maybe it's your Bible. But he reads the Bible, doesn't he? So there's a sense of which some, some are saying, well, he's trying to preempt things. He's trying to create it. He's trying to bring about a system. And, and if we just turn to Revelation Chapter 13. But what I want to do before I do that is say to you this, okay? Your eschatology, which means your end time view, and we all have different ones. Every one of us here will have different ideas about the end times. Even if just small details, am I right? I mean, there is not nearly so much almost in any other subject, difference of opinion or difference of viewpoint on the end times as... as as there is on the end times. Sorry. Confused myself saying that. But I'm trying to say that there is so much difference of opinion that Christians have. And there's the different schools of thought. There's amillennialism, postmillennialism, premillennialism, and then the premills. Are you pre-trib rapture? Are you mid-trib rapture? Are you post-trib rapture? And you know, it almost gets into fisticuffs. Because everybody... And that's the thing. People are so dogmatic about their end time view. The best way to say, to, to really handle it is just say, well, I've got a victorious eschatology, a victorious mindset, because you cannot, your eschatology must not be defeatist. There I've said it. And a lot of people says, oh well, it's just going to get worse. I've got my bags packed. I'm waiting for, to, just to get out of here. The rapture, oh Lord, bring it now. But here's the problem. There are too many people are fixated on the great tribulation. You have to ask yourself, am I here 
to experience and receive great tribulation, to be in the receiving end of great tribulation from the kingdom of darkness as an end time believer, or am I here to tribulate the kingdom of darkness? Am I here to make the devil so scared to start it off because of what he's going to get? Are we here to trouble our troubler or to receive? Because tribulation just means trouble. Excessive trouble, extreme trouble. Are you here to trouble the devil? Or are you just going to receive, oh well, when it, we can't speak. There's nothing we can do. That's a defeatist mindset. So we can't have that. So anyway, Revelation chapter 13, we, the verses were, we, we wrote so well. Just, we could read it all. But, and, and here's another thing. Here's something that will very lightly disturb your end time ideas. Because a lot of people have ideas and mindsets. Did you know that it's not the Antichrist that brings the mark? Oh, the mark of the beast. When the beast I hear it all the time. When the beast brings the mark. No, he doesn't. Not the Antichrist. The second beast, which we identify as a false prophet. The beast out of the earth. The beast out of the sea is the Antichrist, as we would say. It's a beast out of the earth that causes the image to be made and causes the mark. Just a small detail, but sometimes when we miss out the details, we miss the bigger picture. Okay? Now watch this. Let's just actually read into it rather than... Verse 11 of Revelation 13. Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. This is the second beast that we would call the false prophet, okay? He exercises all the authority of the first beast, first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Now he could get to preach and all that, but I'm not going to do that. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And if we really are in the, the last days proper, this is going to be very much happening soon. Okay? And again, I don't want to get to preach and all that because that's not my message today. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth. He deceives those who dwell on the earth. He deceives those. All of this stuff is deception. Okay? You're not going to get people saying, I'm for the beast, I'm for, I'm for the Antichrist, sign me up, where did they join? It's by deception that so many will be taken in. He deceives those who dwell on the earth. So what do you do? You guard against deception. By those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth, telling those who dwell on the earth, to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. You see, the introduction of these things comes from the second beast. All right? The false prophet. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. That's that spirit of Antichrist. We see it all around us. You know, we've had it before. It's, you know... So many people looking for the Antichrist and the Apostle John says, even now there are many. He that denieth the Father and the Son is Antichrist. We're looking for, oh, we're looking for that great end time world leader. 
But John says that all around is the Antichrist. The system's here, the spirit is here, the people are here. There are so many. You need to recognize the spirit, because if you're looking for a man, you'll be deceived. It's the spirit that you must discern. And let me tell you, it's not... This is, did anybody see that film years ago with, with Sam Neill, the, the one about the, the Antichrist, and he was the Antichrist, it was in the 80s or 70s or something, um, you know, the film I'm talking about. The Omen, it was, it was a sequel to The Omen. Uh, and, it, and it was all about this, you know, end time world leader and all this. Well, even now there are many antichrists. It's the spirit that we must discern. Now watch this. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave. In other words, people from every class and uh, level of society to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name and that's the phrase no one can buy and sell without this without the mark the name the number and you know you go into uh, online you watch your favorite preachers many of them they're all talking about this so many people are saying are we in the end times because we look at the overreach of governments and they're trying to bring in systems whereby it will limit people's function in the economy and and part of that 5g part of that is of course um, electronics because they can snuff out your ability to buy and sell just by hitting a button and of course you've got things that uh, vaccine passports, all that stuff. So when people see that their ability to buy and sell can be curtailed or stopped altogether, they immediately say, is it the mark of the beast? In other words, are we living in these end times? Are these the really end times that this is talking about? Are, are we hurtling towards that? Are we in it? Are we on the cusp of it? Are we on the edge of it? Is this what we're... Is this what we're is this our life now? So that we can go to the book of Revelation and Daniel and other places and say, we know it's come. Or, as some say, no, it's hundreds of years away, maybe thousands. But here's the thing. Whatever we are living in right now, it's, some people call it the left, communism, whatever, they've taken over. And then we see with Afghanistan, because of the capitulation of world leaders, particularly has to be said, this man Biden, Sleepy Joe, and our own Prime Minister. We are seeing that there is a manipulation taking place on earth, among the nations, or, or, or a capitulation, or just downright incompetence, or cowardice. But we're seeing wicked governments and the fruits of them all around us. Now, how does that affect us here in Scotland? What's this got to do with Scotland? Everything, because Scotland is the fount of everything I believe that God wants to do among the nations. And many prophecies about that. 
So when we sing Scotland in the days of yore, we're not just looking back to days of yore and saying, oh, wasn't it great back then? We were the people of the book, we were the land of the book. But the people who stood for those things were killed. And there was a measure of this going on under Charles II who, who would take the livelihoods, liberty, and lives from people who stood for Christ. But, you know, we hear a lot about the mark of the beast. And I don't want to talk about the mark of the beast today because I want to talk about God's economy because one of the things that the Lord's revealed to me and has done for many years, but because we're actually in these times, in this season, and in, in the things that we're looking, seeing around us, God, I believe, wants to emphasize to us that he has an alternative end-time economy. In other words, we don't have to sign up to the mark of the beast. And, and they'll come after us, they'll try and persecute us, but that doesn't mean to say that they'll succeed. I'm not saying that some will escape, all will escape it, some definitely probably won't. And I'm talking about remnant Christians here, I'm not talking about ordinary people. God has an economy, and it is the household of faith. You know, the word economy comes from the Greek word, which simply means household. Okay? And God has an economy. This economy that we read of here is the world economy. And it's hidden so much, so much, or has been hidden so much of the time, um, but, you know, you, you see people getting oppressed, you see people being defrauded. It's always there in the world system because that is the world system. But when it comes to fullness, in the last days, it will be Antichrist. You can't buy or sell unless you worship the beast. You know, you've heard me speaking about John McPhee, the great prophet of Glasgow in the 20th century. And he would speak quite often about that mankind, and particularly here in Britain, folks will have to come to a place where they decide for the beast system, which he spoke about in great detail, what we're seeing all around us just now. He saw way back another man from early days of Pentecost, uh, like Pastor Murdoch, Harry T, guys like that. Or, the, or God's kingdom at the throne of David. And we've got to ask, we're in that place where that decision has to be made. Now, I believe it comes to the God's people first. But it'll come to all men. And, and that's basically what he was saying. God has an economy. This is the devil's economy. This is Antichrist economy. And there's so much fear talk about this. Oh, there'll come a time you won't be able to get to your local Asda. You won't even get to be able to get a news agent unless you've got the mark of the beast. Now, they're going to try and set that, that system up. And there already are in some places. You know, you can't get in to certain shops. And I think it's in Australia they're bringing stuff like this. And, but you see, it's not the only system. The mark of the beast is not the only system. And you know how we know that? Because the next chapter begins this way. Then I looked and behold a lamb standing on Mount Zion... And with him 144,000, having his father's name written on their foreheads. The, the book of Revelation speaks about God's mark on us, on, on his people. So, 
If you don't have the mark of the beast, or you can't buy and sell in the Antichrist economy, but if you're marked by God, then he is your Jehovah Jireh. He's your provider, isn't he? And that's what I want us to concentrate on. Now, um, if you look at... So in other words, there's two systems. There's the beast system, which genuine true believers will not sign up to, will not receive that mark. So how do they eat? Where do they live? How do they get provision? Now, some, some people's eschatology says, well, we won't be here, we'll be out here. But that's not the only eschatological viewpoint, is it? Let's be honest. And if the ones that don't believe that are right, then you can have your bags through all through the tribulation. But you still have to live through it. Your bags packed and all. Revelation 18 speaks about, and this is what I want us to, to, to see this, okay? A couple of things I need to say first. During any point in earth, in fact, let's just go there. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. During any time, any season, any dispensation on earth, since the days of Abraham and the Abrahamic covenant, the blessing of Abraham is in operation. And the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3 that Christ was made a curse for us that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the nations. Which is us. The blessing of Abraham, we'll see here Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. You shall remember Yahweh your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. That he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. The power to get wealth is given to establish the Abrahamic covenant. To establish the covenant. Which, of course, includes the provision of the Lamb. Isaac was received in type, but Jesus was the actual fulfillment of that covenant. Because he alone was a sinless offering. So the power to get wealth is the, the blessing of Abraham, and Jesus died and became a curse that it might come upon the nation wasn't the only reason he died, but it was a major factor because the world speaks about it. And, he's, and it says in Galatians chapter 3 that so we could be blessed with faithful Abraham if you are uh, in Christ, you're Abraham's seed. So you inherit. Now what, what, what did Abraham inherit? R Romans chapter 4 verse 13. He, he inherited the world. So I want to ask, is that blessing of Abraham in operation today? Because it's a perpetual government. It's a covenant. It is the covenanted promise given. If it's still in operation today, and we're still around in the market of the beast this year, if we're not raptured, well, the blessing of Abraham still be functioning in the earth. It's an eternal covenant. So the answer is yes. So if you have the blessing of Abraham, which is power to get wealth, 
even during the reign of Antichrist, then that means that there are two systems functioning at the same time. Antichrist will put all that swear allegiance to him, receive the mark, oh yes, sign me up. But also the will is, I'm not signing up to that. Will the blessed of Abraham still work? Will the key of David still work? Will the authority given by the Lord Jesus uh, to, to all the saints in heaven and on earth and the commission to go and disciple nations, will that still be active? The answer is yes. So there has to be two economies. And you know the Bible speaks about it. The Bible speaks about the Revelation chapter 18. Don't really have a lot of time to look at that, but we'll, we'll very briefly go there because I want to show you this. It's important to see this. Just very briefly. Remember that what we looked at in James was the last days. And the, the mark of the beast, certainly the last days, although you could say you'd find stuff, you'd find that spirit throughout history. You'd find it under different regimes. You'd certainly find it under Nazism, wouldn't you? Under Hitler's regime, the, the Third Reich and all that. You'd find it. And really all it is is a desire to control not only your physical person, but your thought life, your spirit man, everything about you is control. The devil, the devil's number one thing he wants is to control you. And he controls you mostly by fear. Revelation 18, and we know what it says, Babylon the Great has fallen, has fallen. Uh, and then it says here, verse 4, another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people. You know, we need to hear that other voice from heaven. Some people need to hear that. Come out of her. Come out of Babylon. Come out of the beast system. He says, my people. So that means some people are going to be under, at least for a while, unless they, if they obey this, the sway of Babylon, which is the beast system. Yeah? Anyway. Lest you share their sins, lest you receive of her plagues. Now, some of us heard that voice quite strong in the battle for Brexit. That we had to come out or we would receive of plagues. And you know, the plagues have come because I'll tell you why, we didn't get out fast enough. And we didn't get out wholeheartedly. We lingered. Now watch this. But it's talking about plagues that are coming to Babylon. And verse 8 says, her, and Babylon is the system. Babylon is the beast system Babylon is the world economy. The harlot that sits in many waters, which is a metaphor for the world economy. The world system, the system that's out there. The United Nations, the European Union, the G7, the G8, G whatever they have, COP26, which is coming to Glasgow. Climate change. That's, that's the next stick they want to beat you with to, to cause you to fear. You can't, we're going to have to have lockdowns because if you get your car, you'll create a hole in the ozone layer. And we'll all fry to death. Fear, fear, fear. And there are other things. Of course, Afghanistan, the great fear now, Islamic terrorism. They always have to have a bogeyman. We had Osama bin Laden and then we had Saddam and we had, uh, what's it one? Gaddafi. 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 
Because you always have to have a bogeyman. And do you know who told us that? Ian Fleming. Blofeld. How many times did James Bond kill Blofeld? And he always came back with more scars on the white cat. Because there always has to be a Blofeld for us to fear. Anyway, that's a whole different sermon. Anyway, Revelation chapter 18, verse 8. Look what it says. Her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. I think most Christians would say that this is an event, an end time event that precedes the return of Christ. So it's yet in our future in its fullness. But in one day, and then verse 10 says, watch this. Not just one day, standing at the fear of her torment, say, alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour, in one hour, in one hour, in one hour of one day, your judgment is coming. In other words, there will be a time where that world economy, that antichrist system you can't buy or sell without the map, folks, will collapse into the sea. You go and read Ezekiel chapter 27, we don't have time. The Lord said the same thing to Tyre. And we know that Tyre was a, was a type as well of Satan. Lucifer, he says, you'll be pulled down into the sea and all your riches will come back. Now, that doesn't mean that God's going to send laser beams and destroy all the gold and silver in Fort Worth or wherever they keep it now. He's not going to destroy all the land and buildings that these billionaires and tycoons who own most of the world's wealth. Go to now, you rich men. The day's coming when all your riches are going to be wiped out. But he's not saying that he's going to, like you know, the, those science fiction films where they send beams down and wipe out buildings. He's not going to take away all the gold and silver and the precious jewels. They're not going to be obliterated. And probably even the money won't be obliterated, the cash. Maybe not even the stocks and shares. So what happens to make these men, okay, which says they will weep and lament when they see the smoke of a burning. The merchants, the, the billionaires of the earth will weep and mourn over her. For nobody buys their merchandise anymore. All the precious stuff that's listed. <coughs> For in one hour, verse 17... Such great riches come to nothing. Every shipmaster, all who travel by ship, sailors, and as many as trade in the sea, and the Amazon lorries, and all of these people that do the online trading, they're all going to be standing at a distance and cry out when they see the smoke of a burning. This system you cannot buy or sell. This is Babylon. We're going to impose it. We're going to come down on you. And you won't be able to go to the grocery shop unless you worship the beast. And God said, I'm going to bring it all crashing down. It's all going to come to nothing. All the people who got rich that way, those rich men that extorted, that used cunning, that used witchcraft, that used sorcery, that used manipulation, that used theft and lied and cheated and stole their way to fortunes, they're all going to see their fortunes disappear. In one hour of one day. Is that going to be the second coming? I don't believe so. Because God has an alternative economy. 
So what makes it happen? What causes this destruction of the Babylonian economy that crashes into the sea? The sea is just a metaphor for nations, peoples. In other words, it's the economy. The world system. What's going to cause the world system to come tumbling down? Not just tumbling down, but crashing down immediately. Within minutes, really. Because it's going to be one hour, isn't it? That's only 60 minutes. Within 60 minutes... And I don't want to name names, but some of you know the names that I'm probably thinking of are going to see their money going from sh- sh- tanking. And why will that happen? What will cause that to happen? Turn to Isaiah chapter 60. See, I believe Isaiah chapter 60, and I'm not alone. Peter Wagner taught this. In fact, I wrote a book about it. The reason being is that money, wealth, riches, jewels, lands, vehicles, resources. In fact, just think about what just happened in Afghanistan. All those Humvees, helicopters, all of that weaponry that was owned by America, all of a sudden transferred, and now the Taliban are going. That's the same thing. Is that you can have all these resources that are yours, at your command, and then within 60 minutes in Afghanistan, it was... It was a matter of days. It all transferred into the hands of the enemies. Well, the Taliban enemy. Whether or not they're enemies to Joe Biden, I don't know. Anyway, that's a whole different thing. Isaiah chapter 60. Arise, shame for your light has come. And the glory of Yahweh is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. And deep darkness, or gross darkness, I think it is in the King James... The people, the great darkness that's coming upon us. How many sense that darkness in the earth now? Now, what have, what have I said is that the devil has an economy, but God has an economy. Doesn't he? It's not just, going, oh, the devil's going to take over everybody and everything. Well, we really are in trouble then. But I tell you what, he's not going to take over me. Because I'm not here to be tribulated upon, I'm here to tribulate. As long as I have breath. And that's what the covenanters had in their heart. That spirit. We're not bound down to a wicked king. We're bound to King Jesus only. And we we urge that king to come bow with us. But if he doesn't, we'll oppose him. Because we are Jesus' men. No king but Jesus. And as it's written in the grave of Oliver Cromwell who is a Puritan, of course, Christ, not man, is king. Amen? Christ, not Antichrist. Because Antichrist is a man. Amen? But he's not the son of man. He's a son of perdition. It says here, watch, Behold, darkness will cover the earth, deep darkness of people. So darkness is here, darkness is... Darkness is one player. Darkness in the black corner. But the Lord, Yahweh, will arise over you and his glory shall be seen upon you. His glory shall be seen upon you. Manifest glory. Now I believe that that will be an age of miracles. Uh, As Alec was saying, we're walking in what we're supposed to be walking in. But I also believe this, that manifest visible glory 
is speaking about physical gold. And we'll look at that very quickly. We've not got much time, but we'll very briefly. It's speaking about gold. The gold belongs in the temple. The silver and the gold is mine, saith the Lord. And the last day's temple, which will be more glorious than Solomon ever built or Herod could ever build, is you and me, your body, is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Well, why are we focusing on gold? Well, we're not. We're focusing on him. But as we do that, the gold comes. As we'll see, watch this. His glory will be seen upon you. The nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Let me just say that King is speaking about wealthy men. It's speaking about powerful men. We would say national leaders, politicians, people who have influence and power and wealth. Now, let me just say this to you. These people are not going to come to a bunch of poor folks with no power, no influence, no sway, meeting in a shack with the roof, with the rain coming in. Kings don't come to people like that. They'll come to the brightness of your rising. There's a whole other message in there that speaks about your rising, but I don't have time. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Sons and daughters are coming, brothers and sisters. So what's that talking about? The harvest. They're coming. The harvest is coming. Your churches will be full. You'll have to have multiple services, certainly on a Sunday and maybe most other days. Because the sons and daughters are coming. Amen. Amen. The harvest is coming. This is all tied in. And you know how you can't have the end time harvest without paying for it. If you want to reach the masses. Because they don't. I'm not saying God can't bring them. David's had a vision of that street out there. A very vivid vision. Queuing up to get in here. I believe that vision is going to come to pass. But you know, we don't just want to sit back and we want to reach them, don't we? I, I don't want to put on my television and pay for filth. I want to put, you know, on my uh, the thing I want is Virgin. I only get God TV. I know Sky do all the other channels. Some of them I wouldn't watch anyway. Some of the programs I wouldn't watch. But I want to put on my telly and say, there's 300 Christian channels. And of course, the Western movies channel. That'll do me. I don't need anything else. Amen. Amen. <laughs> That's of God. But who's going to pay for that? Who's going to pay for all those channels and pay for all that programming? Unless the gold and silver come to the body of Christ. Amen. But I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about gold and silver. Because you see, cash can become worthless overnight. But gold never goes down in value. Silver doesn't really. It did in Solomon's time. They used to have binds. Remember that old Scottish one? They binds of silver in the streets in Solomon's time. Because it's so worthless. Because they had so much gold. Now what it says. 
Then you shall see and become radiant. Your heart shall swell with joy because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. That's it right there. That's Revelation 18. All that abundance that was on the sea that belonged to all the billionaires and millionaires who were plugged into the Antichrist system. And it has to be said, the ordinary Joes who says, give me the mark, I'm, I'm signing up. It says all that abundance is going to be coming to you as God's people. How's he going to manage that? That's, that's his concern, isn't it? You see, that's above my pay grade. And I believe he'll show us. But, but one of the things is, arise, shine for your lights come. Let the glory be seen upon you. And believe that God's mark is upon you, so you're in a different economy. And here's one of the most powerful things to do. Thy kingdom come, kingdom economy come, to me, to God's people, to Zion, to the people of God, to the remnant saints, and may your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Now let me just say this to you. There's no antichrist system Babylonian economy in heaven is only heaven's economy. So when you pray these things, if it doesn't touch the economy of your nation, if it doesn't touch the governmental structure of your nation, you're not really praying it enough or right, or you're not getting it all the way through. Because it's not just a nice prayer to pray before school. Well, they've taken the Lord's Prayer out of school. Yes, and it needs to go back. But tell you what needs to go back with it. The, the teaching that says to children, when you pray this prayer, you transform culture and society and you bring down the kingdom of heaven. And God's purpose is done in Scotland as it is in heaven. The wealth, it says here, the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. That magnetic pull in that end time scenario, that magnetic pull from the people of God, from the body of Christ, from the ecclesia, from the governmental assembly of God in the earth, from those who have this revelation that the wicked are not meant to have it. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the sinner man. The wealth of the sinner man is laid up for the just. And it's not so you and I can drive about in Bentleys, um, all that be nice. It's not so we can live in big mansions, but that'd be nice. But that's not our heart. We're not about uh, profiting personally from this. We're, we're talking about, you know, we want to have millions in our church bank accounts. Amen. So that reaching all of Glasgow, that's an easy thing. We just, just throw money at it. Now, not willy-nilly, not slapdash, but we have the resources. In fact, let's just go buy that TV channel. Let's go buy that newspaper. Let's go buy the Glasgow Herald. Let's go buy the Scotsman. Let's go buy uh, that uh, radio station. And instead of putting out punk and hip-hop and all that junk, let's just put out the gospel. Ah, but we've got revival. We're not talking about that level. We're talking about saturation, brothers and sisters. You can't switch on the radio without hearing the gospel. You can't put on your TV set without uh, listening to somebody preaching or worship music, right? 
We saturate the airways, we saturate the internet. We, we, don't, we don't kick the lectern. We saturate all these things. Why? Because we've got the money. Now let me just say this to you. Why does Bill Gates and that guy Bezos, I always call him Brazos, but it's Bezos, and Zucker, why do they have all the power that they have and the influence that they have? And why can they shut down Trump and do all that they... they because they've got the money. Why are we listening to propaganda and lies rather than truth? Because the people who have money are putting it out and, have, and they've bought all the, the channels, TV, internet, you name it. And it's not, oh, this is the gospel of wealth, this is, this is all prosperity, we can all object. I'm not talking about that. If, if that's what you think I'm talking about, then you, you, it's just, that's deception. The wealth of a nation shall come to you. If you go and read the rest of the chapter, we don't have time, running out of time here. He's talking about the Zion economy taking over the earth. He's talking about the power to get wealth. It's not just exercised by one or two on a personal basis so they can have yachts and planes and, and all that stuff. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But he's not just talking about that. He's not talking about, oh, I can get rich. He's talking about the blessing of Abraham manifesting in the ecclesia of God that says, you know that stuff? It belongs here in the temple. And it belongs here in the temple so that you can no longer spread darkness over the peoples. You can no longer pollute the peoples or defile them with all your pornography and your uh, agendas. There's only one agenda going to be, and that's the kingdom agenda. And I believe that that Isaiah 60 has to be read in parallel with Revelation 18 because all that money has to go somewhere, all that wealth. And one other one day, that they're all screaming and crying and weeping and wailing, the politicians, the businessmen, it's all gone. Why is it gone? Where is it gone? It's gone where it belongs. The last day's temple. Now this might only be a short season at the end of the age that we walk in this. It may be a long time, as post-millennialists believe it's a gospel age and it lasts for a long time. It doesn't matter. The point is, it's meant to happen because God says so. In fact, let's just close with this. Please read Revel uh, Isaiah chapter 60. You'll see more and more. He will glorify the house of your glory. <clears throat> the sons will come from afar, their silver and their gold with them. And I will just say this. I, I, I don't want to take up too much more time. But uh, please turn to Haggai chapter 2. But be before or as you're doing that, I want to say this. When it says the wealth of a nation shall come to you, that word wealth in Hebrew is kyle, has a multiple meaning. The King James says, the forces of the Gentiles shall come to you. Forces means not just physical wealth, jewels, gold, silver, all of that. It also means people, hosts, armies, multitudes. And, and it's, what it's saying is, the things that really matter, including the physical wealth, including that. But that's down there. The things that really matter are the people. The things that really matter are the people. 
And you want your church full of people, don't you? Not just for the sake of saying, I've got a big church. But because that's what we're here for. Multitudes and nations are our destiny, aren't they? You know, we're not here for a handful of folks. We're here for multitudes and nations. Cesar Castellano says this, you must see yourself as a leader of multitudes. You are the hope of your city, your country, and your nation. And quite frankly, you need wealth to do that because wealth buys you influence. Wealth buys you things that you can use to further the gospel cause and build and establish his kingdom or his covenant in the earth. Very quickly, Haggai chapter 2. And I'll close with a sorry for taking up so much time here, folks. But Haggai chapter 2, watch this. In the seventh month, well, I won't really read it because I've not got time. But he's talking about, he brings him out. Read it yourself from verse 1. He brings um, to Zerubbabel. He speaks to Zerubbabel, who was the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the, high, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And he says, he basically says, do you remember the former glory? Do you remember the temple? Do you remember? Because this is years before. Do you remember as a wee boy you saw the temple? How magnificent, how glorious Solomon's temple was. The place where the Shekinah glory came in the Holy of Holies and sat there of the mercy seat. Do you remember that temple? How magnificent all the gold it costs billions, multiple billions in today's money of gold to build and other precious materials. Nobody could probably afford it right now. David himself contributed billions out of his personal wealth and also out of the national treasuries. And so did many of the mighty men because they followed David. They were millionaires and billionaires too. He says, do you remember it? Do you remember this? Aye, 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 it was great. The latter house. The latter house. The glory of this latter house, this latter temple, shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. He's not talking about the rinky-dink temple Herod built, which was a magnificent building, don't get me wrong. He's not talking about that, because he's talking about the latter days. Herod's temple was wiped out. Look what he says. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Verse 6. Once more, as a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. Or they, or, or, and I will fill this house, I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of the latter temple shall be there. He's saying that the temple of God is a magnet for the silver and gold. Now I want to ask you today, and I'll close with this. Where is that temple today? It's not in Jerusalem. He's not talking about the heavenly realms, the heavenly Zion. Where is the temple? The temple is sitting on these chairs or standing. The temple is your body. The temple is the bo your physical, personal, individual body, and it's also the corporate body. Isn't it? 
It's the governmental assembly in the earth. It has a physical... You, you know, you're not part of his body. You're not flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone, if you don't have a body. You know, it's not dead bodies. You have to be alive, walking and functioning as a human being, and a born-again, regenerated one, to be his temple. And that's where the silver and the gold belong. Amen? Well, where else does it belong if it doesn't belong in the temple? And you and I are that temple. And other believers, of course. So he's saying, I'm going to fill the temple with glory. Notice again how he equates gold with glory. The glory shall be greater. Why? Because all the silver and gold will be there. All the wealth and resources will be there to build my kingdom. Like I said, might just be a short period of time before the coming of the Lord. But James said, be patient for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. He said, be patient. He says, I'll come to fruition. I'll come to full. The harvest will come. And the harvest is people. But it's also the wealth and the riches that don't belong in the devil's hand so that he can impose Babylon upon all of us. He says, Babylon... I brought Babylon down before and I'm going to bring it down again. I brought Rahab down before, which is a code name for Egypt. All these kingdoms and systems, there's principalities and powers that think that they can set up a kingdom to oppose my governmental assembly. I'll bring them all down, they'll fall in the sea, but the Zion of God shall come forth. And I want to just say this, and I will close here. <laughs> It's going to start in Scotland. It's meant to start in Scotland. And that's why we call this Arise Scotland. Because it's time for you and I, brothers and sisters, to arise in the earth and be the Zion that God has purposed us and destined us to be. The Lord bless you.